Welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Hi, this is Ken Blanchard. We need a new leadership model in business today, one that values both people and results, where leaders see their role as serving instead of being served. In this podcast, my friend and colleague, Chad Gordon, interviews experts who help us explore different aspects of leadership. I know you'll be encouraged and inspired by what you hear and you'll walk away with ideas and insights that will help you be the type of leaders others want to follow. Ready to get started? I'll be back at the end of the interview where I'll share what I've learned and how I'll be putting it into action. Now enjoy this installment of the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Alexa Schoen, welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Oh, I am so happy to be here. Hello yourself, Chad. It's so good to have you here. I love your book and it's so timely right now. Entry Level Boss, How to Get Any Job You Want. Why did you focus on this topic? Why is this energizing? Why is this so important for you to get this message out? Sure. So Entry Level Boss is a book about how to get a job when you graduate from college or how to get your first job ever full stop. People, especially my publisher, like to refer to it as the new What Color Is Your Parachute, a fresh take for the internet generation, which is a great PR line. Yeah. Uh, I graduated from college in 2011, uh, which you know doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but it was after the global financial crisis. It was after the internet. It was after a lot of things had changed since 1970 when What Color Is Your Parachute came out. And they are still teaching the same career advice as ever still to this day about how to properly format an address on top of a cover letter. And some of those career things stay true, but I graduated with a degree from Notre Dame and every advantage in the book. And I fell straight on my face after I tried to start getting my first job myself. And I just like every classic founder or author just got interested with the topic and couldn't let it go. Why was it so hard to start your career in this modern global knowledge economy generation? And, uh, yeah, that was several years ago now and I haven't let it go since. So it, I I find it so timely. Obviously this book was written well before what's going on in this world. We're recording this podcast in the summer of 2020. So if you hear this a couple (laughs) of years later, hopefully this will all be gone. Um, but when you, when you, you know, when you intended to write this, uh, the world was a little bit different, but as I look through this book, the the lessons the messaging uh, the 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 path that you kind of you you play, pl- uh, plot out is still applicable right now so this is this is something for uh, uh, more than ever this is something even for what's going on in today's world it is really weird timing you're exactly right even before covid happened my tagline for this book was always this is not some fluffy manifesto about following your dreams And there are many books like that in the world. I think that they are terrific. They all serve a purpose. But so many people have focused in on the concept of, you know, finding your passion in this life and chasing it. This is a book about how to get a job. (laughs) And it is a book about I cannot breathe. I cannot eat. I'm staring at my bank balance and I don't know how I'm going to pay rent at the end of the month. But I need to send out a thousand applications a day to feel like I'm making progress towards my goal of getting gainful employment. Uh, I wanted to give people almost a, a fitness plan, really, for going through that process of looking for work, because, you know, especially with the way that the hiring process has changed for employers, definitely, uh, 
finding good talent is like finding a needle in a haystack. Sure. But the, the same thing is happening on the job seeker side. And we don't have, you know, now no one who's necessarily incentivized to help candidates to try to go through that process as efficiently as possible. And I wanted to step in and, and give people some light at the end of the tunnel. So let's, you know, I always like to I say kind of mechanize um, these conversations so that people will, one, they'll, they'll have some interest and go pick up the book, which which so many people do, but also give them just enough information to be dangerous and take a, have a couple mm-hmm. takeaways. So let's dive in a little bit into the different pieces. And I love how you have it, 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 it broken apart into kind of like that, how you prep yourself, uh, um, basically misconceptions and, and understanding how the market works, how you prep yourself. And then, and then, uh, basically the importance of relationships and some other pieces. So let's kind of talk about some of those, uh, what you call incorrect beliefs. There's 14 that you list, but what would you say is, is the one that you think is the most impactful that is such an eye opener for people that you coach? I think the biggest thing that we are seeing happen right now, which is especially true during COVID and it is, um, you know, hit on many times in those 14 incorrect beliefs is if I don't have the right degrees, my life is over and I can't do anything. And I probably need to go back and get another hundred thousand dollars worth of student debt, uh, and get another, you know, fully fledged four year bachelor's in order to start a new career again. And I see that happen a lot with, you know, students who come out with arts and letters degrees, but also people who come out with really, you know, basically any kind of qualification. And then they say, I don't know what to do next. And I'm particularly fascinated in this topic because of in entry level work, we saw something really interesting shift, uh, which nobody really speaks about, which is when the global financial crisis happened, all these mid-level people got laid off, right? They went and then took jobs that were too junior for them, entry-level jobs, which then meant all of a sudden that employers could ask for three years of practical experience that today's graduates don't have, and the market has never recalibrated. Mm. So now you have this phenomenon where every entry-level job is asking for uh, just this, this thing that you just don't come out of college with, and people keep trying to solve that problem by going and getting more traditional education. Maybe if I get a master's, maybe that's not it. Maybe I need to get an MBA. Uh, when what they really need to do instead is learn how to hack the practical experience side of this so that they look competitive against someone who already has a year and a half or two years worth of experience in order to kind of cross this giant valley and and get their first, you know, rung onto the ladder or if they're trying to make a career change or, or jump in any position in their career, you know, look at all the ways that you can hack this for yourself before you go rely on trying to get more letters behind your name. One of the ones that I really appreciated kind of is applicable to me because, and it, it touches on what you just talked about. I've, I'm, I've been with the Ken Blanchard companies coming up on 16 years and I, my degree isn't in this. Um, but fortunately I found a, a good fit in people that believe in development and believe in, uh, in hiring the right people. But you talk about don't have the right skills and an unemployable disaster. So when I was shifting from my previous career into Blanchard, I had that, that viewpoint and that was really hard to kind of coach out of me. So how, how do you share, how do you, um, uplift the people that maybe have that same belief that I had, uh, so many years ago? Well, you know, here's the amazing thing is I have talked to thousands of job seekers at all different levels, shapes and sizes of careers, what have you. Every single person I talk to wants to tell me why they are uniquely the most unemployable person (laughs) on the planet. And I'm talking about people who are, you know, senior data scientists at Facebook and Google and people who dropped out of community college. It's everybody across the board. They're like, let me tell you all the reasons that I'm never going to get this job. 
And I think that I find some solace in that, you know, for myself. And I, I like to tell other people that it's true too, because uh, you you probably have so much more going for you than you think you do. But none of us are really taught to treat the job search the same way that a consultant goes out and pitches themselves, right? It is a sales exercise at the end of the day. Uh, but very, very, very few people have strong sales skills or are, you know, in the position to want to go into a sales job. So they're not thinking about how they can sell themselves as the product. It's a really intimidating thing. So let's shift a little bit to uh, something I found, uh, again, everything in this book is very interesting, but but what I <laughs> appreciated, and, and again, it's been a while since I've been in, in, the, in the job market, thankfully, with everything that's going on. Um, you know, you, you, you say, you, you make the statement and you actually, you share a lot of thoughts on this. And I want your thoughts. You say employers, they're just like us. what do you mean by that? Even later in the game, when you are looking for a job 10 or 15 years into your career, I still see everybody approach the job as if they were 22. And it's like, they're a child and everybody else is some untouchable grown up. And those are the people who are looking at your resume and kind of going through the application process and deciding whether or not you get the job. And so employers, they're just like us. It's kind of a you know play on like us weekly celebrities. They're just like us in case you haven't picked up a gossip magazine recently, Chad. <laughs> but uh, it, it is not. this concept of, you know, like I say in the book, I say when it comes down to it, every office is just filled with fallible, perfect, imperfect, dumb, stupid, brilliant, crazy, funny people just like you and me. Like there's no secret group of 20% of people who are untouchable and hireable and speak corporate resume English fluently who are looking at your applications. It is usually, you know, some guy named Todd who is on ESPN.com and a little <laughs> bit hungover and figuring out how he's going to ditch out of work early to get on his plane to Houston. Like that is who's looking at your resume. Yeah. <laughs> and so can we talk to Todd? Like he's a real human, you know, and try to build rapport not because we're trying to sneak in and not get, you know, hired on our merits. Like you got, you got to be able to back it up, but half of having a job that's not way more than that is building good relationships with people. And why would you not start doing that from day one? And I see so many people just like sit there and cross their fingers and try to act really polite. And it's the same way when you go on a first date and you act super vanilla and boring. And then people are like, gosh, why didn't they like me? And it's like, well, they never got to meet you because yeah. you were trying to act polite instead of act like yourself. Yeah, it's 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 um it's a real life human breathing person with sorts of all sorts of things and issues that you have across the table. But exactly, it does feel as if they're just on this this kind of ivory tower, these kind of this uh, this higher plane than you. So it's good to know that they're just like you, and and you give us some great tips for that. So let's talk about what you call preparing for battle. And you lay down some ground rules, but then you also really talk about all the different steps. And so, and if people are listening to this right now and they're in the job search mode, they, they have, they've started to look at this, you know, their resume, their cover letters, you know, uh, um, how do they determine what they want to highlight and what they don't want to highlight and then who are they want to target? So let's actually start right there. Like, how do you determine, because you said a, a bit ago, you don't want to, you don't want to throw a. Um, kind of a shotgun blast everywhere. You want to be really targeted and, and real focus on what you're actually looking for um, in the book. You know, how do you target where to go and, and how to get the process started on on where that, that dream job may become, may, where it may be at? Yeah. So one of the first chapters I wrote for the book when we were selling it to St. Martin's Press was the the resumes chapter. And it's actually the, the third step in my nine-step process. And the first line of that chapter says, 
if you came here first, go back, you're doing it wrong. Ask the others, they'll tell you. <laughs> right. Uh, and so immediately every job seeker, of course, we do the same thing, right? We immediately go look at our resume. Shoot, we haven't updated this in five years. How has it been five years? This is terrible. Uh, uh, that's why the first two chapters of, of my process, you know, steps one and step two are so important because before you race out there with your resume and you just throw it all over the internet, like yeah, throwing, I don't know, professional spaghetti against a digital wall, uh, I want you to pause and be able to answer three questions for me, which are the questions I list out in the book. And it's, what kind of role do you want? Okay, I want a supply chain job. Great. Awesome. Now you know that you want to be in the supply chain and be a supply chain manager. Now I want you to tell me where you want to work. And I see this, especially with graduates, but but a lot of other people as well, because you can see that New York is an option. You can see that Miami is an option. Are you going to work in San Diego? Is that where you want to be? Okay, we want to be a supply chain manager in San Diego. Terrific. Now we've got two pieces. And the third thing I want you to be able to answer before you do anything else is what industries you are interested in. So if you are interested in, I don't know, food and beverage, and now you can say you want to be a supply chain manager in the San Diego area for craft breweries specifically helping them to source you know sustainable tin to make beer cans out of or what now you actually have a list of employers in the san diego area that you can go and chase down and the vast majority of people 99.999 percent of people never pause to even think about what kind of job they want next and they race straight ahead to their resume and then they don't understand why they're not finding opportunities and it's because they never tried to name the opportunity in the first place yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's almost like being in a sales role and not tailoring your message. Just just uh, yeah. just I'm going to put this message out here. I took a lot of time on it. And I'm going to put it out to as many people I can get in contact with. But you're, what you're saying is there's real value in in having a more laser focused. I mean, and I think so much of it is is simple feature versus benefit communication, right? Uh, you know, so many bad salespeople go out into the world and they say, "Hey, can you you know." Our iPhone has 11 different kinds of lenses and three cameras on it. And isn't that great? As opposed to the classic sales line, right? Of like, do you want to take a great photo of your family? Like, do you want to capture memories in your life? And taking that same kind of mindset is is true with the job search. But so many people just go out and they're like, oh, I, I have an MBA. Can you tell me if I can help you? Uh, one of my favorite kind of, you know, sayings in the world is the confused mind says no. Mm-hmm. Nobody can help you if you don't say what kind of thing you're looking for in the first place. Right. Right. And, and so when you think about this prep preparation for battle and, and, uh, and where people, you know, waste a lot of their time or where they should be spending more of their time, is there an 80, 20 rule to this, you know, these sections of, 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 of where you're getting ready to get out there and, and touch the market? Uh, the, 80-20 rule, I think, absolutely applies here. And an interesting stat specifically about 80% is 80% of jobs never make it onto LinkedIn or Indeed or Monster.com because they get filled through personal networks and referrals and weak ties and the power of weak ties. And I discuss that in the book. Um, but I think that whenever people come to me and they say, okay, well, how many times should I fill out an application a week? And I always come back to the networking piece of it because I'm like, if you are just going out there and filling out online applications. In the book, I refer to it as the job search junk food diet. It makes you feel productive, right. but actually you're only seeing the bottom barrel 20% of opportunities that they couldn't find somebody to fill already. And you're giving that 80% of your energy or 300% of your energy. It's, it's not going to be very effective. 
We're talking with Alexa Schoen, uh, author of Entry Level Boss. And and uh, you, you, you talk on it within, we're going to get into networking because I, I find so much value in that. That's helped me so much in my career. But um, that preparing for battle part where you, 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 know, you talk about resumes, cover letters, and, and those sort of pieces, definitely pick up the book. There's so many great applicable um, and, and actionable uh, things that you can do that'll help you. Because I know that's an area where people, you know, hey, take a look at my resume. Or, you know, they, don't, they feel kind of lost. So you give them some really great tips there. So let's jump in to networking. Um, I find that to be so valuable in business. I find that to be so valuable personally, and I don't find it to be a slimy thing. I'm also not going to every chamber of commerce meetings, you know, and, and having drinks with people. But when you think of networking, what does that mean to you? Um, and 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 how, you know, even if you have a job, what's the value you see to having a really strong network in place? The Chamber of Commerce reference is quite funny because in a lot of the press that I've done for this book, I, I make a joke, especially, you know, during these periods of COVID where we really truly can't leave the house. And I say, luckily for all of us, we don't have to go to a hotel ballroom and drink warm <laughs> white wine in an ugliest pair of khakis right. we can find in our closet. We could do that in the comfort of our own homes. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a lot of people, as soon as we say the word networking, they jump to the in-person event with a name tag and let yep. me go shake some hands. And I don't really know why I'm there and I'm nervous, but I know that I have to pass my business cards out. Even way before the pandemic, you know, networking has been happening in people's Twitter DMs on Instagram. It's been happening, you know, yeah, of course on LinkedIn, but also I think three of my first jobs I got from guessing somebody's email address and sending them a cold email and a lot of those actual emails that I sent to get those jobs are written out in the book and I turn them into templates that you can use. So when I think of networking, I break it into three categories to make it a little bit less scary. I talk about how you can ask your friends and family for help uh, because that in itself is really scary when you're trying to blur personal and professional boundaries. Then I talk about going and actually introducing yourself directly to employers, which again, can feel intimidating, but uh, I like to say there's this ancient entry-level boss proverb, which is uh, people cannot hire me if they do not know I exist. And what we discussed at the beginning of the episode about how employers are getting spammed with 300 applications for every single job posting, and it's people who don't even know the name of the hiring manager and have never heard of your company, you are definitely going to be well-positioned to go out and, and directly say to the hiring manager, no, like I applied for real. I really want this job. Yeah. They teach you how to do that. And then the third piece that I talk about is something that I call magical spark networking, which is, you know, kind of this feel good serendipity component of, can you go find the greatest salesperson in the San Diego area? And can you learn from them? And they are going to know about so many different you know, opportunities that would never even come across your radar because they're kind of the central piece in the ecosystem. And, and how do you track those people down and, and have them help you? Because so many of them really do want to. So let's talk about um, the spark. Let's go into a little bit more detail about that because you, you talk about, you know, again, this is, this book is so prescriptive. This book is so helpful in, in just making to-do lists and, and, and instead of, as you said, sending out 300 applications, filling those out, yeah. actually doing things that are going to lead to action and lead to success, yeah. lead to connection. So you talk about connecting with the people, you know, and, 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 and how you go about approaching the company. So what are some tips that you've found? How have you coached people to make that spark turn into a big fire? 
I think that people always want to immediately, you know, if they're going to network, go straight in and say, hello, I'm, I'm so sorry, but I'm looking for a job. And do you have a job available? Can you hire me? Like they want to just kind of try to confess everything on the, the metaphorical first date, right in that first email. Uh, and what I want people to do is reel it back instead. And you probably know this as well as I do, Chad, there's a classic um, and I think very, very true business belief, which is when you ask for money, you get advice. And when you ask for advice, you get money. <laughs> and and so what I do really is I teach people how to go out and ask for advice, right? Hey, I am working on uh, currently learning basic SQL so that I can become an entry-level data scientist. I talk about this example in the book you know, and you could go out and find a data scientist who works maybe at a company that you aspire to work for, but you don't think you have a chance in, you know, anything at right now. And can you say, hey, I think that I am good enough to start getting junior level positions, but can you check over my work and give me 10 minutes worth of feedback? Those kinds of inroads all of a sudden show that you're self-directed. They show that you know exactly what kind of job that you're looking for. And they show that you're trying to seek out mentors in your industry in order to put yourself on the right path. Like you haven't explicitly had to say any of those things, but they are implied in the way that you are approaching getting in touch with people. And that in itself is going to put you 10 steps ahead of the competition. So I'm going to pose a question that I think is going to be very applicable to the, the people that are, that are listening right now, because there's a lot of uncertainty that's going on right now. And so let's say that you are gainfully employed. Let's say you're, you're working at a job, but there's, there is uncertainty and that, that represents a lot of our listeners. I'm sure. Um, what, what sort of steps could somebody take, you know, if they're not necessarily making that move now, but how do you stay fresh? You know, obviously you know, when you're in a position, you're always potentially looking out to that next tour of duty where you might want to go yeah. next. So what sort of tips would you give to somebody who, um, whether it's looking for that new tour of duty in a couple of years, whenever, or next year, whenever this thing is, 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 is better, or if you just want to be more prepared for, if the time comes, what would you do? What would you, where would you point them? My new, uh, COVID catchphrase in this exact sort of uh, line of thought has become, how do you become the most comically compelling version of yourself, you know, as a candidate? Like, how do you become comically compelling? And what I think that means is what little baby skill right now do you always have to go convince your manager to hire you an assistant to help you with because you've never learned how to do it yourself? Or you, you know, know one version of Salesforce, but you've never learned the next competitor. Salesforce is obviously kind of a market leader, but like, you know, HR software, there are probably mm -hmm. three really big ones that are used in the industry. And if you know one of them and not the other two, could you even just take an hour on YouTube over the weekend and just watch a tutorial or try to understand why people would use software X instead of software Y? These are things that seemingly are, are pretty simple to do, but not a lot of people will go out and, and spend, like I said, the hour on a Wednesday night while they drink a beer and kind of just try to keep themselves fresh, to, to use your wording. Yeah. And I see a lot of people instead try to overcorrect, right? And they're like, oh, if I'm going to lose my job, I should learn to code, which is just, you know, why do we have to go all the way to the technical career pivot when the low-hanging fruit is right there in front of you? I, you know, I've found now, and it's, it's kind of what you're talking about um, in, in a way, but um, 
generalists, and that doesn't mean me learning to code because that's never going to come into my role, role but just yeah. I find value in being more of a generalist in my role versus being very specific right now once you're there. But so I, I appreciate that. Just get better, learn more, learn more systems. So as we, as we start to kind of wrap up the conversation today, what's the one thing that you want our listeners to kind of take away from, from our conversation? That being interested is just as important as trying to look interesting. I think I see so many people become obsessed with how they're going to look like a good candidate. And if they spent half of that time getting really curious about what problem they are going to be solving for their next employer, you know, you're just going to watch the tides turn almost immediately. Try to be interested in how you're going to be a part of the solution for, for your next employer. And that is going to be so helpful. Love that. And I appreciate that. So if people want to dig a little bit deeper into you, check you out some more, learn more from you, where would you send them? Absolutely. If you go to entrylevelboss.com, you will have all the links to buy the book. It's on Amazon. It's on Audible, all that good stuff like that. And also Entry Level Boss on Instagram. And from there, you will see my lovely face smiling at you everywhere. You can come find my personal social and all that good stuff too. I love it. How to get any job you want. Entry level boss, Alexa Schoen. Thank you so much for being a part of this episode of the Leader Chat Podcast. Thank you, Chad. And thank you for joining us for today's podcast. If you enjoyed this interview and like to learn more and also help us grow the audience, please subscribe to the Leader Chat Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play or wherever you're listening. And please share this with your friends. The best way you can help us grow, though, is feedback. As Ken Blanchard says, feedback is the breakfast of champions. So please write us a review if you haven't already. And by the way, this podcast is sponsored by the Ken Blanchard Companies. If you'd like to learn more, there's even a lot of free resources to better yourself and your organization. Go to KenBlanchard.com. You'll find all kinds of free tools and materials to help you and others grow. Thanks again to our guests for joining us today. For now, I have the pleasure of turning it over to Ken Blanchard for his thoughts on what we discussed. Here it is, your final minute with Ken Blanchard. Chad, I really enjoyed your interview with Alexis Schoen about how to get any job you want from her book, Entry Level Bossed. And you know what I particularly liked was at the end when you said, what do you really want people to take away uh, from this uh, interview, she said it's important for them to realize that being interested is just as important as being interesting. In other words, if you do get an interview with a company or an organization, find out about them. You know, talk to people about them. So when you talk to people in an interview, they they know that you're interested in them. You know what business they're in. You know what what it's all about. And then you want to share. Why are you interesting? And be honest with them. Be open uh, with them. Tell them who you are and what you believe. My wife Margie and I teach a course on uh, determining your leadership point of view in our master's degree program at the University of San Diego in executive leadership. And it really involves asking, you know, who impacted your life the most or what events and what did you learn from those? And based on what you learn, what are your values? And based on your values, what do you expect of people? And what can they expect of you? And boy, if you started to share something like your leadership point of view, when somebody said, tell me a little bit about yourself, you would blow them away. Be honest with them. Share what you think and what you believe and all. I just love that. You want to be interested in them 
so that when you show that you're interesting, the two of those things go together. So uh, good stuff, Alexa. Love it. <laughs>